You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Be very careful with the pulpit. <laughs> it's so good to be here with you guys. Uh, we really do love Westside Church, and we really do love Steve and Terry, and have a long, uh, real, uh, you know, great, uh, deep relationship, friendship with them. Um, obviously, it spawned with uh, with them and my parents, and then um, it has been something that we've uh, just uh, cultivated over the years, and just have a great relationship with them. And they came down last year. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, in the beginning, no, uh, this year, beginning of this year in February, uh, 2015, they came down. Uh, we did a parent uh, training conference. Um, called Mission Possible, and um, Steve and Terry were a big part of that, and they came down and ministered at Turning Point, and it's something that uh, we just really value the relationship. I know a lot of you guys don't get a chance to see them uh, minister in other churches and get to see them in that vein, but they're really good at it, and uh, they have a big heart for other churches, and they're very, very apostolic, and they have a lot to offer other... Just that it's so great as a... If you're a church out there, and someone else comes alongside you and puts their arm around you and says, hey, we believe in what you're doing, and we want to support you, and we want to encourage you, and, and be someone you guys can you know bounce ideas off of. It's just really great. And that's what the, the team, the NCMI team is about, and these guys do a great job at it. And uh, so we really do appreciate it. And whether you guys understand it or or realize that you are um, a very close friend of Turning Point Churches. And we have done a lot of partnering things together. And it's something that we really value. Uh, you're one of the closest in relationship church to us, not in, so much in distance, but in just relationship and just in spirit. There's something that uh, we've partnered over the years, and we really do appreciate you all. And uh, just the opportunity to come up here. My wife and I, it's just uh, it's been great. Everybody's been very warm and welcome. It's been wonderful. As I was preparing for you guys this week and just uh, praying and just coming up here, I really felt like God gave me a word for you. And the word that God gave me was ripeness. It's just there's a sense of ripeness that God has for Westside Church. And uh, another word that comes to my mind when I was just praying for you is just readiness. And I really do feel like you guys are poised for something in your near future. Is that God has got his hand on Westside, this church, in a mighty, powerful way. And there's a sense of ripeness that... Um, and I'm not exactly sure, I'm not exactly have all the details of what that means for next year and the near future for you, but I do feel like there is something near. I do feel like there is a ripeness. There is a, a, this is like a now season for you, and there's a time to plant, and there's a time to water, there's a plant, time to pull weeds, there's a season for those kinds of things in the life of a church. But you're coming into a season, I believe, and I think you already have to some extent, of a sense of let's time, time to reap some of the benefits of all the hard labor we put in. And I really believe God's going to open some things for you as a church and as a people. And I really believe um, that God's going to need every single one of you to make that possible. How many of you guys believe that? It's not, it's not a one-man show. Um, it's not just about you know, just the eldership team you know, being the rock stars of the church. But God needs every single one of you to make that uh, a true possibility. And um, today my message for you guys is just, I have four things on my heart for you. And just four things I want to encourage you and things I'm excited about, things I'm passionate about, but also a just key word for you. And I just believe going into this, this season, this next chapter that you will, you, God will be taking you guys into, you're going to need some of these things. 
and to be strong and be encouraged. So hopefully you take these things today to heart. You're encouraged by them. You're excited about them. But I do have these things, and I believe that God is for you and God is behind you. But that doesn't mean that you've arrived, and that doesn't mean that things are going to be coming easy. Um, uh, all, all it means is God is for you, and that means you're going to win. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're going to win, but you just don't know how yet. And you don't know what the process is going to be like, and you don't know what the journey is going to be like, but you know that you win. And that's a great. It's great playing a sport when you know you're going to win or, you know, play a game against, you know, somebody. You know, hey, the, 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 the deck is stacked in my favor. I'm going to win. It's just a matter of am I going to be obedient? Am I going to be a part of what God's doing? Amen? And so I really believe that God needs all of you and wants you to be a part of it. And so let me share some of these things with you today. And uh, let's start off with the first one. And, and these are going to be kind of centered around the word fight. And I really believe that that word is, is a strong word is just um, for you this morning as a church is just to be fighting for these things. To obtain things in Christ, you have to fight for them. Um, you know, you have to take it step by step. And, and uh, we saw the new Rocky movie yesterday. And he, and he kept telling uh, uh, Apollo Creed's son um, in the movie, he kept telling him, he said, well, he said, punch by punch, step by step, one step, one punch. And he would just kind of tell him, like, just take it one step at a time. And so, but we've got to fight for these things in Christ. So the first point I want to share with you is fight to live radically and passionately for Christ. Fight to live radically and passionately for Christ. I, I, as far as me before I share what I have for you, as far as for me, I, I constantly am trying to push myself and fight the disease of medi- mediocrity and trying to push myself so that I don't, I don't become just good with good and okay with just where I'm at and, and, and content with where God's taken me so far. But I'm constantly am trying to push myself and fight to be passionate for the things of God, the things that I've heard a million times. And the scriptures I've heard a thousand times. And the, the church services I've been in my whole life since I was a little teeny boy. I, I want to be passionate every single time I come to a church service. I want to be passionate every time I come into God's presence. I want to be radical with the things of God. So that when I hear, be, be someone who is full of faith, I want to be excited and radical in that faith. Not just, oh yeah, I know, we need to have faith. And yeah, I, I, I have heard that. And I, No, I want to push myself to, to not allow the things of God to become just mundane and just um, dull to the things of God. Amen? Yeah. But to continually fight for being radical and for being passionate for Him. Amen? Yeah. The word radical means a lot to a lot of different people. For some people, I'm radical. <laughs> and for some people, I'm not radical. You know? There's some things, there's some people will say, you're a radical Christian, you're someone who's extreme. And others will look at you and say, you're not radical or extreme at all. And so that word is very you know, open to interpretation. But we look in the, the, the Bible, in the Old Testament, New Testament, of mighty men and women of God who did amazing things for God. I see those people of being radical because they, they did it in a way that extended themselves to a point where they put themselves at risk for God. Yeah. Right? And so they obeyed God, and they knew, the, they knew the cost would be great. They knew the cost would come, but they did it anyways. And see, it's not radical for God if you're willing to say yes to God whenever it's comfortable. But are you willing to say yes and obey God when it's not comfortable? When it is something that's going to stretch you and pull you in a way you've never been pulled before, are you still willing to take the next step? That's being radical, radical for God. Being radical for God is being someone who says yes to God, all the things of God, not picking and choosing. But just doing everything the Bible says to the fullest extent, that's radical. Yeah. That's radical. 
And I, and I fear that we have allowed the word radical or, or someone who's a devout Christian to become someone who obeys the Sabbath and someone who doesn't steal from their neighbor and someone you know, who, who puts money every time the offering plate comes around. And those things are great. And I don't want to belittle the things of God because those things are important and we need to be doing them faithfully and again, passionately with those things. But there's more to attain for us as Christians and as a church than just those things. You hear what I'm saying? There's more than just that. If you're good with that, great, but there's more. If you're coming to church faithfully every Sunday, great, but don't let that be the extent of your walk with Christ. That's it. I I did my duty. I did the things that God asked me. God's not calling us to do the minimum. He wants us to go the distance. He wants us to to take risks, be risk takers, be passionate for him, and to live this thing out in a real authentic way for him. Amen? And I believe that we need to be on the edge and we need to push ourselves and we need to be honest with ourselves and evaluate ourselves. From, you know, the, the beginning of the year is always a great time, right? If you get a fresh start in the beginning of the year, 2016, you evaluate, you say, what are my goals? Where am I going in Christ? Am I in the same place I was two years ago? What, what, where's my stock? Where am I at? You know, because the truth is, we do, a lot, for most of us, we know where we're at. We just got to be honest with ourselves. Now, we have other men and women of God that can help us, point us in the right direction as well. But for the, mo- for the seasoned Christian, for the most part, they know what to do. It's just a matter of, are they going to do it? I really believe we need to be passionate for him. There's a word that I don't particularly like that's out there is, is the word churched, people who are churched. Because it, that word, to me, is a people who have been there, done that, done everything, and they're church people and the things of God have become dull to them. And people look at them and say, you're, yeah, you're, you, hear, you say you're Christian, but you're not willing to actually do it. And I believe it's, it's, it's something we have to fight against, is being a churched people. If, I want to be a, a follower of Christ. I want to be known for that, not for being churched, being someone who's seasoned vet in church services. I want to be a seasoned in the Lord. Church is an important part of what God's doing, but it's not the end result. It's not the thing I'm worshiping. It's Christ that I'm worshiping. I don't want to be a church people. I want to be a per- people that are uh, uh, Christians, that are Christ followers. And if we're not careful, our children will become church kids. I was a kid that, and, and Steve was a pastor's kid, and there's a, there's a tendency to grow up in the church and just become a church kid. And, and, I've watched a lot of my friends grow up and become church kids. And just like the, if some of you guys are looking at me going, what is that? And some of you guys are looking at me going, yeah, I know what that is. And, but the, the church kids, just someone who grows up in God, I've kind of been there, done that, been a little bit sassy, starting to kind of just feel like, hey, I've done this and not excited about the things of God anymore. And I, and I, I want us to, uh, to, to really fight that as a people of God, to not be that, to not allow the things of God to be just whatever, but to be passionate about it. And if we want our kids to be passionate about it, then we as adults have to be passionate about it. In your children's ministry, your children's ministry workers need to be passionate about the things of God. Be passionate about their teaching. Be passionate teachers so that your kids can be passionate as well. We have to model that to our kids and to our teens. I really believe we have to fight this and be passionate for him. There's a story about a woman at the turn of the century who had a small house on the seashore. And she was, she was wealthy, but she was also quite frugal. And the people were surprised in the village because she had decided to hook up her house to electricity and be one of the first people in the town. And so several weeks after the installation, a meter reader appeared at her door and he asked her if her electricity was working well. And she assured him it was. And he says to her, I'm wondering if you can explain something to me, he said. 
Your meter shows scarcely any usage. Are you using your power? Certainly, she said. Each evening when the sun sets, I turn on my lights just long enough to light my candles, and then I turn them off. (laughs) She was tapped into the power, right? She wasn't using it. She was tapped into the power, but she wasn't using it. She, she turned it on. She'd use it, and she'd, she'd have it at a, a ready available source in her, in her house. But it was something that she was tapped into, but she didn't use. Some of us as Christians receive salvation, but we resist the transformation. And we say, yes, God, I want to follow you, but I don't want to change. or I don't want the power of God to be real in my life every single day. It's hard to, to live like that, to allow God to have his hand in our lives, to live that passionately for God. The transformation is not easy. Yeah. To be transformed into his likeliness isn't easy. It's just, it takes sacrifice, and we have to fight for that. And as, and as Christians, we have to make sure that we're not like this lady who's, we're tapped into the power of God, we know God, but we're not allowing him to transform us, and we're not challenged by him, we're not pushing, we're not striving. In James chapter 1, verse 22, this is a great scripture. Because what's the answer to this? What's, what's the answer? James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it, sa- do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And it's interesting, it says, do not merely listen to the words, and so deceive yourselves. We deceive ourselves, because we say to ourselves, I listened to the word, and now I've got it down. And we we just, you know, can deceive ourselves. But it says, hear the word, and be doers of the word. If you want to be passionate for God, if you want to be on the edge, spiritually, you know, be passionate for living for him, we have to be doers of the word, yeah. not just hearers of the word. Yeah. So every time you hear a message, every time God speaks, every time something happens, you're asking, Lord, how does that apply to my life? What does that mean for me? What do I need to do to, to grow from this? What, do I, what are you trying to show me through this, this experience? Every time something bad happens in your life, you're going through a trial, you're saying, God, what are you trying to show me through this situation? You're not the victim. You're not you know, oh man, what am I going to do? I'm going to throw my hands up in the air and, forg- and give up. But you're saying, Lord, what do you, what do you got for a store for me this time? Well, how are you going to get the victory this time? With that kind of attitude going into those things. Be doers of the word. On every level, I believe we need to preach the gospel and we need to then follow it up with challenging people, the listeners, to respond. Because if all we do is preach, then everybody's going to get puffed up with knowledge. And it's not healthy for a Christian to just hear, hear, hear. We have to do. And so on every single level with your teenagers, with your kids, with the adults, on every single level, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, we have to challenge the listener to respond, to do, to act, to go out. Now, some of that is the church, you know, the, you know, Steve and the eldership and challenging you. But a lot of that, and I would say most of it, is you. You are responsible for you. You are responsible for, you know, well, the church hasn't challenged me and I don't feel challenged by the church. That's not their fault. That's your fault. You need to be challenged. You need to grab. Because if they're preaching the word of God, then they're doing their job. Amen? Now, there might be a certain way you want to stylistically, can you please get a little bit louder? Or can you, can you please really shake it into me? Okay, whatever. That, that's what you want. But let me tell you, that's your problem. You have to get past that. You have to say, I'm not a baby Christian anymore. I need to get past that point, And I need to get radical for what God's saying. Amen? 
I'm, I'm saying it in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, and I don't mean to be rude, but what I'm, but I'm trying to get you guys to catch something, which is the passion for the thing of, things of God and saying yes to God. I believe our kids can prophesy, can speak in tongues, can heal the sick. Our kids, we need to teach them at a young age to believe that what they hear is actually possible. To, to believe that, that they don't have to just hear the things of God, that things have happened in the past, but they can live it right now in a passionate, real, authentic way. And we as adults have to teach them that and show them that and model that to them. Amen? We will be puffed up with knowledge. We will be people who are not humble, but we'll be prideful with, with knowledge. We have to stay hungry and we have to stay humble for the things of God. Let's keep moving on. Number two, fight to keep Jesus the focus. This is something I know that you guys have probably heard a million times, but we have to fight to keep Jesus the focus. It's actually not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to keep Jesus the focus. Sometimes keeping the main thing the main thing is not easy because there's so many other things. And there's other things that we get caught up in. We, we, we decide to really focus on and we lose sight sometimes of what's the main thing, which is Jesus. And the bigger your church gets and the, more, the further God takes you, it becomes harder, not easier, to keep Jesus the focus. What are some of the things in our church or in our lives that, 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 and, and our, uh, in the life of the, of the church body that become potentially things that rob God of his focus and attention? The church itself. The church can actually become an idol. The church itself can actually be the thing that's taking away God's worship because the people become so consumed with doing church that they forget about why they're there for, what they're there for, the whole purpose of the church and the bride of Christ. They lose the sight of that, and then the whole thing just becomes playing church. And that's where we, be, we find this, all this religion, religiousness that's, that's totally absent of God. We need to, the church is an important part of God. It's God's plan for his people, right? It's God's plan. It's, God, it's, 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 it's absolutely necessary. We need to be planting churches. We need to be building churches. We need to be for churches. And we need to be a part of the, the, the serving that, that promotes church. But because God is about it and because God is for it and is for the glorification to point people to Christ. Yes. We want to point people to Christ, not to church. You know, what are some other things? The pastor, the eldership team, they're, they're great. They're wonderful. But they're, in God's eyes, they're no, no more important than you are. They have a different function. They have a different purpose that, that God's called them to play. And uh, a governmental authority God has placed on them and God has put them in that place. But that doesn't mean they're any more important than you are. And if you're the person who's, you know, opening doors and greeting people on a Sunday morning, or if you're the person leading worship, or if you're the person who's preaching the message, you're all important. No, no one part, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but no one part is more important than the other. We, we should never put the pastor on a pedestal. It's very unhealthy to do that. We need to honor the pastor, though. Absolutely. Honor the people who God has put into authority. There's a special um, um, uh, amount of uh, honor that goes to, to those people, a double honor that God puts those people, people who preach the word of God. It's not easy to do. We need to honor them and respect them, but we should never put them in a place that's not healthy. Amen. And so they become in the way of the things of Christ. Our, my ministry, you know, my worship team, my kids' class, those are things, when you, we hold on to them too tightly, they can become in the way of focusing on Jesus. Because sometimes we can get so focused on do, 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 and we have our head down and we have our blinders on and we're working, working, working. There's a difference between working for God and loving God sometimes. And, and if they can become separated. And so what I want to encourage you as a church is keep 
and fight to keep Jesus the focus. Every time you do something for God or do anything, remember why you're doing it. Don't forget the why. That's how people get burned out. That's how people leave the church because they forget why they were there. They focus on things that were never important. God never wanted them to focus on. Focus on him. Keep him the focus. There's a guy in our church, you know, talk about petty issues. There's a, a, a young man in our church. He came from a Catholic background and was just a little bit more under that, that influence. And, and he was coming to our church. Young guy, we went to high school together. And he had been coming for a month or two. And he was really excited about it. And everything was going well. And our youth group was doing really well at the time. And uh, he comes to me one day and says, hey, I'm, I'm not going to come back anymore. I just want to let you know today's my last day. And so I'm saying goodbye to everybody, right? you know. And as a pastor, you, n- you never want to hear that conversation. You're just like, oh, great, let's talk. I'm very excited about this. You know, you're always kind of a little like, oh, okay, why? Why are you leaving? You know, and uh, I-, I asked him, I said, why? why? What- what's going on? Like, everything's going so great. He says, well, there's, there's a couple of youth that wear hats to church. And I just, I just, I-, I know that's okay for you guys. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling what you guys to believe. But for me, it's very disrespectful. And he was like, you know, 18 or 19 years old. And, I- and he says, I just think it's very disrespectful. And I, and so, and he said, I'm going to be leaving the church because of that. And I, you know, and I, and I tried to walk him through and I tried to say, look, I just, don't, don't let that be the reason. Come on. You know, you know, it's, they're not doing it in a disrespectful way. They're doing it, you know, so some of them are just doing it because that's, that's the way they've dressed or, and I understand what you're saying. And I understand the culture you came from. And I tried to walk him through it, but it, he, he had made his decision. He ended up leaving. I never saw him again, ever. He left. And there's a lot of times people leave churches for reasons even worse than that. Even silly as that. We've had people, you know, at Turning Point leave the church because, um, you know, some, one of the elders walked by them and didn't say hi. Or, you know, uh, someone's, you know, uh, they had, you know, someone gave them a look. Like, I mean, literally a look. And, you know, caught them at a, at a bad moment and they just decided to leave. I mean, as a church, you're, <laughs> let me tell you guys, that stuff is going to happen. Okay? So don't be surprised when it does. You're going to be offended at some point. Because no one's perfect, and your, your elders are a wonderful, wonderful team, but they're, 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 they're human, and they're going to make mistakes, but, you, but we're not here because we all fit, and we're all perfect together. We're here because of Christ. And so that means sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it is going to be bumpy. Sometimes you're not going to agree with everything, but that's not what unites us. You, we're not united because we all like to do everything exactly the same. We're united because of Christ. So it's either, did God call you to West Side or not? Did he call you to Westside? Is this where God wants you? Then, then make it work. Yeah. That's, that's the answer. Yeah. Then make it work. Don't let your style and your preferences become more important than where God wants you. Yeah. Style and preference is great. And God's made us all unique. And we all have, all, all have those things. That's great. But don't let that be a reason why you leave a church. Don't let that become a, an issue in your church. Fight for unity. And that's my next point is fight for unity. Yeah. So number one was fight... To, to, to stay passionate and radical for, for God. Number two is fight to keep Jesus the focus. And number three is fight for unity. If you're in the business world, um, you, you know, even with people who are paid full-time, you can't get everybody on the same page. I mean, it's like, it's so hard to get people in unity. Just even, even just when you get a group of two or three people, as soon as you get more than one person, unity becomes an issue, Right? <laughs> I have a dog, a, a one-year-old dog, and we can't get on the same page. You know, I have a, I have a, a husky, and we can't get, find unity. 
Uh, yeah. Well, he's fighting to be the alpha. He's a very strong dog, strong-willed. I, I, you know, I kind of got the husky and realized after, after I got him, everybody told me, you know, those are really strong-willed dogs, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm stronger, so I'm going to, you know. <laughs> so he's a great dog. But right at this point, we decided he's going to be getting neutered so that I can get, 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 get the control. <laughs> so I'm going to get a, do a little cheat and just, you know, I got you, you know, so. But... Uh, but be honestly, unity is hard to, hard to achieve, right? Even in your household, just when you get married, you, get, you find out you get married, two people living in the same household, unity is hard. You got to fight for it. And as a church, it gets even harder the bigger your church is. Your guys' church is a good size. You guys are a growing, healthy church. Unity is not going to be easy. And if it's easy now, praise God, but be ready when it's not. Be ready when it's not because the eldership team is going to come up one day and say, guys, we believe God's called us to do this and we're going to make this change. We're going to do this. We want you guys to get behind it. And then that's the moment where everybody has to say, oh, we're going to stay in unity. You know, that's the moment because everything's, there's, there's times where everything's all great and everybody's happy skipping around and we're having teas and, you know, everybody's happy and everything's going great. But then there's, that, then there's going to be times where things aren't easy and things aren't great. And there might be an issue. Something might come up bad. And then everybody has to say, okay, either am I here? Am I for this thing? Am I fighting for unity or am I not? And so that's where we have to be people who say, yes, I'm going to fight for unity. I'm going to fight for what God is about. Galatians 3.28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for you are all one in Christ. And that's talking about just the body of Christ. Obviously there is male and female. We all, we all know that. We all have different backgrounds. We're all unique. We're not trying to get cookie-cutter Christians. But under, the, under Christ, we're all one. That's what unites us, amen? Acts 4.32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that, that any of the, the things that belonged to him or his own, but they had everything in common. This is right after you know, the great revival in Acts and, and the early Acts. And, um, you know, all these people got saved and things were really happening and the, 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 the church was being birthed and everybody was on the same page. That was a key part of what happened. What God was doing was unity. Everybody was sharing. Everybody was loving. Everybody was in the same heart, same mind, same soul. Philippians 2, uh, chapter 1, verse th- uh, uh, chapter, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participant participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord of one and one of and of one mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves if everybody put each other first we would have a great unity if everybody just worked to just try not to just fight for their own selfish need but put others first everybody would be just great, you know, just, it, it, it would work so much better. And, and, but just being a full of what, same mind, same love, and, but being in full accord and in one mind, that's, doesn't that, doesn't that sound like something you guys want to be a part of? Do you guys want to be a part of a church that's backstabbing and people are not on the same page and people are disgruntled and why did we do this and why did we do that and why are the chairs set up different on Thursday than on Sunday and why, why, why did we decide to, to serve coffee in the back and why, every time I come here, you know, blah, 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 the, 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 the room is just too cold, it's too hot. You guys, let's fight for that. And you're talking, to, again, remember who was speaking right now. This is someone who, I've been in the church my whole life, so I've heard it all. So I'm not speaking about your church. I'm speaking about just... I know the, the, just how things go, and we have to fight for unity. Yes. And your church, I think, is in good unity, but 
fight for it because it's going to get harder. There's going to be times where it's not easy. And for the next season, the fruitfulness that God has for you, it's going to be hard. And there's going to be times where you guys have to push and fight for that unity. Amen? We realize that every single one of you hold the power to either create unity or destroy unity. Every single one of you have that power. And are you going to use it to create unity or to destroy unity? Unity is very hard to achieve, but very, very easy to destroy. It can be destroyed like that. So we have to fight for it. My last point today, point number four, is fight to be a part of what God is doing. Fight to be a part of what God's doing. Every single one of you here have a vital part to play in Westside's future. Do not give in to the urge to step back and let others take your place. Don't give in to the urge of, I'm just going to be in the back and Everybody else is so involved, and it seems like everything's working so great. And, I, you, know, and you know, I'm just going to kind of sit back and just let everybody else do their thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't. Because in order for Westside to accomplish and be in the place where God's called you to be, he's going to need every single one of you. And I need you guys to believe that. Do you believe that God has called all of you to be a part of what Westside is doing? Because if that's true, then what's your part? What, what, where is your role? Whatever it may be, what are your giftings? What are the things God's called you to, to take place and to, to grab a hold of in this church? It's not God's desire that 5% of the people do 90% of the work. It's just not. It's just not God's desire for that, that kind of model and that kind of template to be happening in the church. It's exhausting. It's, it's not very fruitful. It's not, doesn't, doesn't really... Um, create energy or create an, uh, an place where things can flourish and grow. It really caps off growth when only 5% of people are doing the 90% of the work. And so if 90% of the people, I mean, people were doing 100% of the work, wow, that's something, right? And the church can all kind of say, let's all join in together. All of a sudden the work becomes easier and now you can do more. You can do more and achieve more and do things at a higher level which, uh, which I believe in. I believe that when we do things at a, a, at a higher level and a professionalism, that, that honors God. When you go to that tea yesterday, it wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like, oh, let's just throw some plates out and let's, you know, put a Christmas tree and bing, bang, boom, you know, let, there you go. No, it wasn't an afterthought. It was planned. It was done with people who were passionate about it. It was done in a way that honored God. Yeah. The professionalism that we bring to those kind, of, uh, those kind of things, it honors God. And it says, this is what the church is about, doing things well for God. Because if I'm going to do it for God, I'm going to do it with my best heart. Yeah. That honors God. God has given each of you a spiritual gift. And so each of you have to find that gift. Find what God, that spiritual gift. There's many gifts that God's given every single one of us. And find your place in the body of Christ. I want to read it kind of a section of scripture in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And many of you probably heard this. Just talking about the body of Christ, how we're all one part. It says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Jesus, so it is with Jesus. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? 
If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, it's a lot of ears and eyes and stuff, but let me just tell you. What it's saying is every part is important to the human body that God's given us, even though it's a small part. There's parts, every part. It's like saying, which is more important, this finger or this finger, or this hand or that hand, or this foot or this foot? Every part's important. Do I want smelling or do I want hearing? I don't want to choose. I want all of it, okay? We want well-rounded people. We want well-rounded churches. We want just a word church or just a spirit church. We want to be everything God has in the Bible to the fullest, right? Not just picking and choosing. Oh, this is, we want to be a church that's centered around baptism. We want to be a church that's centered around the word of God. And we want to be a word, you know, a faith church. No, let's just, we want to be all those things. Amen. And so that's, and that's what it's talking about too. It's just about all of us saying, hey, all of us are an important part. The eye, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are uh, unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So that means if the women's ministry come together and do a tea, everybody rejoices. They did great. It's not like, hey, they did great, but, you know, who cares? You know, it's not my thing, you know. No, we all rejoice. If they win, we win, right? And if the youth ministry do something great, then yay, they win, we win. You know, if something's accomplished by anybody in the church, you all accomplished it. Isn't that great? But that also means you have to join in with the bad times. So that means if something bad happens in one area, everybody has to take ownership and say, okay, what are we going to do in unity to, to deal with that? And so we have, to take, we have to take ownership, not just for the good, but for the bad, and in unity saying we're all important. See, I love what this says because it says that God honors the thing that people don't think that's honorable. We talk about our church, about the donut ministry. The donut ministry, donut ministry. Well, it's kind of like a running joke in our church that, and between our eldership team is like, you know, um, you know everybody starts in the donut ministry. You know, the fact that we even call it a ministry is just kind of funny. But, you know, it's, it's someone coming out and opening up a box and, you know, serving donuts. You know, it's, it's, it sounds, it's, it's simple. But let me tell you something. We've had so many people in our church start in donut ministry. And so, the, and, and it's hospitality. But there's, there's, we always call it donut ministry for whatever reason, a specific part of it. And so it's kind of like a running joke. But, you know, it's like, you know, wh- where can we get them involved at? Let's throw them in donut ministry, you know, like. Um, it, or if it's someone like, we don't know what to do with them, like put them in donut ministry, you know, but, um, it's kind of like a running joke. Uh, even you guys know Jody Romero down in LA, he, he, he was at turning point and him and his wife started in donut ministry. And, uh, and when I was a kid, I started in donut ministry. So it was like, it's just like this thing of donut ministry. But let me tell you something. I don't care if you're serving donuts. I don't care if you're preaching the word. I don't care if you're with the kids. It doesn't matter. Every part is important. And so if that's what God's asked you to do, and if you're doing it with all your heart, the best possible, that's just as honorable as the person who's preaching and doing his best. See, there's going to be people when we get to heaven that are honored and have so many treasures, and we're going to be like, who is that person? And it's going to be one person, one, one lady that was like sewing something and giving it away or doing something in a way that was something small that people didn't you know, look past, but it, she did it with all her heart, and it was something God called her to do. That, that God honors that. And so don't despise small 
jobs, yeah. small things within the church. You know, don't be the, you know, if you're the one that's vacuuming, be excited about vacuuming because you don't do it for the person who asked you in the church. You do it for God. You do it under service to him. So every time you vacuum, every time you move a chair, every time you clean up a piece of trash, every time we do a big event and you're one of the people that's part of it, you're, you're part of something that God's doing. There's a bigness to it and you're excited about what God's doing, but your part is important. Now, can the church continue without you? Yes, but let me ask you this. Don't you want to be a part of something bigger than yourselves? Don't you want to go, when you die one day, are you going to go, man, I'm so glad I didn't give more time to the church. I'm so glad I didn't help more. You know, I, I was willing to, you know, I was able to kind of sit back and relax in my last days of my life or whatever it may be. No, I don't believe anybody gets to heaven and sees everything that's in heaven and gets to that place and say, wow, I'm glad I didn't give more to the church. They, they, I think a lot, a lot of people will get up there and say, I wish I would have done more. Because once they get to heaven, there's a new perspective. But don't wait for that time. Don't wait. Get now. Find a place and make your life count for something bigger than just yourself. Be a part of something big that God is doing in Placerville, in Westside. Find your place, okay? We need leaders. We need the eldership team. We need Steve and Terry, people who are going to be at the forefront, the, the tip of the arrow leading the way on the cutting edge of what God's doing here for your church. But let me tell you something. We don't need eldership team at the expense of everybody else feeling like everything else is covered and they've got it all. They've got it all figured out. See, eldership team is great, but they need everybody else too. They have a certain job to do. The deacons have a certain job to do. There's people who have a role to play, but you have a role to play as well. And we can't look at leadership and say, well, because I'm not a leader, I don't have a role, or it's not very important, or it's not very valuable. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And respect, if that's you today, I apologize if I offend you, but I want to say it and I want to mean it, is that you're wrong. Because what this scripture says right here is you're wrong. It is important. And God does honor that. And God is about that. My grandfather in his old age would take the tapes. We were back when we did tapes. You guys remember, you know, tapes? We probably, call, we probably called it tape ministry. I mean, I don't know. But, but he took the tapes home every week and he had a tape. Uh, we, the church had bought like a duplicator thing. We put one tape in and it makes all these tapes. You know, it was like a big, you know, old style looking thing. And it, 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 he made tapes. So then our, our, our uh, book and tape table, whatever we called it back in the day. I don't even, I'm making up words now. Um, <laughs> Uh, people could go the next week or whatever and buy the, or just, or just, I don't know if it was buy or just people gave away the tape. So if they missed a week, they can listen to it on tape. Well, my grandfather, you know, not, not great help, but he, you know, what he did was every week he took the tape home from that week, the sermon, and took it home to his house and he duplicated them all and brought them back the next week. And I mean, he couldn't do everything, but he did that yeah. well and he, and he loved it. And he did it well, and he did it great, and he was part of what God was doing, even if it was something that would, most people would say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stand around and watch paint dry or you know, watch tapes be made. I don't want to be a part of that. But it was something he did, and he did it with all his passion. And there's many more things that he did. He was a prayer warrior. He was, he, 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 that was one little thing that he did as far as like tangible uh, thing that he acted out and did in our church. But I just want to encourage you is that whatever you're doing, get involved. Yeah. Don't be at the outside looking in. Be involved. Yeah. Don't be the person that says, well, I'm going to sit back and wait for someone to ask me. Don't be that person. Be mature enough to say, I, I want to get involved. Go talk to one of the elders and find a place. And let me tell you, you might start working in one place, serving a place in the church, and you might start off and then say, you know what? This, this is not really working for me because my giftings aren't, it's just, it's just not you know, great. There's some people who are, are absolutely wonderful with children. And those people should be with the kids. And there's people who aren't. And those people should be kept away from the kids. <laughs> there's people who love to change poopy diapers. And they love it. They love the smell. They love everything about it. 
And then there's people who don't. Don't put the people who don't like to change poopy diapers in the nursery, right? Because it all comes down to is if you're doing the thing that God's gifted you to do, you find energy, you're excited about it, you're passionate about it. But if you're finding out that, oh, I'm drained, I'm not fun. Now, sometimes it's us and, you know, sometimes it's our attitude. But I find that a lot of times if we're in the right place, it's we find joy doing it. And so you might be put into a place and say, you know, find out a couple months later, go back to Steve, go back to one of the elders and say, you know what? This is how it's going. Do you think I should maybe charge something different? I want to, because I want to succeed in the church. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy and have passion for what I'm doing. You might start off somewhere and then say, you know what? I want to change. But the point is, is find the place God's, find your niche. Find your niche and do it with all your heart. And so there's some people who love to serve donuts. I mean, we have people at our church, they're just the best at it because every time someone go gets a donut, they smile at them, they greet them, they're excited about doing it. They're not complaining, oh man, these stupid donuts and oh, they, they, didn't, they didn't fill the order right and you know, all this is, everybody doesn't, you know, everybody makes a mess on the donut table and they're just, you know, you know all bummed about it. Those are the people we don't want doing that, hospitality kind of thing. But there's people who are good at hospitality, those are the people we want doing that. You guys hear what I'm saying? And so realize that that's how the, the church body should work, is everybody should find their part. You're one piece of the puzzle. Every single one of you is one piece of the puzzle. Imagine what your church would be like if everybody really got excited about that and grabbed a hold of what I'm saying. Imagine if everybody was doing something. I mean, like, oh my gosh, like what could stop you guys from just blowing up, from, from just, just taking Placerville and all the areas around you guys because everybody was in one accord, one mind, and one spirit. That is so powerful. I can't tell you how much God blesses that. God blesses unity. And God blesses a people that's all together in one sound, one, one beat of the drum, with one, in one accord, one mind. God blesses that. And that's why we have to fight for it. We have to fight for it. And you've got to push. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be fun at some times. But the reward and the victory is great. Amen? Um, I think I'm up in time. So... Um, I'm excited about what God's doing for you guys. And uh, I just want to pray for you guys. Can I pray for you guys? And, and um, ch- take these things home and, and just, guys, I, I, the eldership team, you guys need to defer to them. I'm, I'm not at all speaking on behalf of the eldership team, but I'm speaking as someone who's excited about the church. I'm excited about the things of God, and I want you to be as well. And, and we need to do it in a sustainable way, not a hurrah way. We all get excited for one week, and then we all pitter out. But we need to do it in a sustainable way where we can be passionate for God on a week-to-week basis. That every time we come together in a, in a meeting, we're excited to be there. We're excited to be evangelizing. We're excited about the things that, that, that God's doing at Westside. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. I want to pray for you guys this morning. Just, I believe God's going to just, uh, just, when we pray, and when, after a, a, any teaching, when we pray, there's an opportunity for us to receive and to really take these things deep into our spirit. And so that's why we pray immediately afterwards. We say, Lord, now let me soak it in. Not just, I heard it, but now let me get into my spirit. Okay, so let's, let's do that now. Lord, we receive this word, God, these points. Lord, Lord, I thank you, God, for, for allowing me to be here and, and, the, the, and allowing me to speak. But God, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't catch me, Lord, they would catch you. And that they would catch the, the, the fire and the passion, Lord, that, that you have for them so that they can, Lord, return that back to you. Lord, we, we don't want to be a boring church, God. We don't want to be the church that never changed, that, that, that always the same, that never not going anywhere. God, we want to be ex- a part of what you're doing. Lord, whether it's in Westside and Placerville or anywhere else, God, where if you've called us here, let us be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're building, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you put that fighting spirit inside of us, God. Help us to be people who fight for unity, 
fight for the things of God, fight for the passion of, uh, uh, to be inside of us, God. Help us to be people who part, fight to be a part of the, uh, the solution, not be part of the problem, to be people who fight for, for, to, to not be in the back, not just to be on the outskirts, but God, we want to be in the thick of things. God, we want to be on the front lines of what you're doing. Yeah. And Lord, I, I pray a blessing over these people. I pray you bless this church. I pray you open up the gates for them. God, that you would right now, Lord, in the spirit, Lord, just start to open up things, new avenues and new doors in the name of Jesus. Lord, areas and places, new neighborhoods, new cities, Lord, new counties, things that they never even dreamed of, God, that I spring begin, you start to just, just start to open up for them, God. Lord, I pray that you would unite them together in one accord so that, Lord, they can serve you in a powerful way. And that, Lord, you get the glory at the end of the day. Lord, it's not about getting the glory for Westside. It's not about the glory of, of, of any of us, but, Lord, it's for your glory, yeah. for your kingdom, God. Yeah. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.